Sup, you beautiful bastards. I hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I'm Anthony Padilla, and let's jump into it. That's it. Whose voice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's not mine, though. Another Wednesday, another PDS host that I had to fire, Anthony Padilla. He was just wearing too many rings. It was horrible for audio, and he refused to take them off. Completely unreasonable. But uh, aside from that public firing, if you'd like to watch our brand new podcast together on A Conversation With, youtube.com slash a convo with. I actually just uploaded that episode right before I uploaded this video, so definitely check it out after today's show. It's the second to last podcast of the year, and I was really excited to get Anthony in because he's he's an OG and we, we've been working in the same kind of space for the past 13 years, but we, we have literally never had a conversation. So it's really fun to get together. I highly recommend you check it out. But with that said, buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're gonna talk about today is huge news regarding YouTube and the future of online discourse. So if you haven't seen, YouTube is over party, is trending on Twitter, and that is in large part due to YouTube's new policy change when it comes to bullying and harassment. In a new post today, they announced that they were tightening the rules, and after months of reviewing their policies and seeing how they could be improved, they wrote, harassment hurts our community by making people less inclined to share their opinions and engage with each other. We heard this time and again from creators, including those who met with us during the development of this policy update. Also saying they met with experts from online bullying organizations, free speech proponents, and organizations from all sides of the political spectrum, and adding, we remain committed to our openness as a platform and to ensuring that spirited debate and a vigorous exchange of ideas continue to thrive here. However, we will not tolerate harassment and we believe the steps outlined below will contribute to our mission by making YouTube a better place for anyone to share their story or opinion. And so to run through these, we start with one of their first major changes, which is taking a, quote, stronger stance against threats and personal attacks. And in this regard, the policy already prohibits videos with explicit threats in them, but now that will also include veiled or implied threats, saying, this includes content simulating violence toward an individual or language suggesting physical violence may occur. And on top of threatening someone, they say this will also cover what they call demeaning language that crosses the line, saying they will no longer allow, quote, content that maliciously insults someone based on protected attributes such as their race, gender expression, or sexual orientation. Then the next thing YouTube addressed was consequences for a pattern of harassing behavior. YouTube saying that creators told them that harassment sometimes stems from comments made in a repeated series series of videos or comments. And so even though sometimes that individual video or comment on its own does not violate YouTube policy to combat this, YouTube said channels that repeatedly brush up against our harassment policy will be suspended from YouTube Partner Program, eliminating their ability to make money on YouTube. And with this, they say that content could be removed, channels could receive strikes and or be removed in these cases. And the last topic noted in this post was toxic comments, right? And so here they say that the policies outlined will also apply to the comment section, stating that in their third quarter, YouTube removed 16 million comments violating their policy and this number will likely increase with these changes. Also explaining they have newer tools that they recently added for creators to have some control over their comments. This including one that allows creators to review comments that YouTube thinks is inappropriate but is unsure if it violates policies. And in the early stages of this rollout, they said they saw a 75% reduction in user flags on comments and most creators now have this setting. Though here noting that creators can opt out of the tool or simply ignore held comments. And about these policies as a whole, YouTube said, we expect there will continue to be healthy debates over some of the decisions and we have an appeals process process in place if creators believe we've made the wrong call on a video, right? And so with all of this, you may be wondering, you know, what prompted these changes? Although probably a number of you hearing those changes are thinking back to an instance we covered in the past, that being the whole Carlos Maza, Vox, Steven Crowder situation. Right, it was earlier this year, Maza, who hosted a Vox series at the time, posted a Twitter thread calling Crowder out for repeatedly calling him names on his show, Louder with Crowder. With this, he included a video that was essentially a montage of Crowder talking about him. It's code for rape, Mr. <laughs> Queer Eating Chips on the Vox channel. <laughs> tip, 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 tip. 
bet you can eat just one, like dicks. <laughs> this is what Mr. Gay Vox wants to do. Mr. Lispy Queer from Vox. What, what, what were you holding, Gay Latino from Vox? <laughs> Even his hand movement and fast motion is gay. And so this whole thing sparked an online debate between creators, but also with major news outlets covering the story, with Crowder, among other things, saying this should not count as bullying. As far as YouTube's response to the situation, they responded to Maza, saying we take allegations of harassment very seriously, then saying our team spent the last few days conducting an in-depth review of the videos flagged to us, and while we found language that was clearly hurtful, the videos as posted don't violate our policies. And further explaining in more tweets that they want all their creators to express their opinions, and that yes, these opinions can be offensive, but unless they violate policies, they remain online. Also, a thing I want to note is I'm hyper-simplifying you know, things that happened in the past. Uh, if you want to see the full coverage, I'll link to it down below. Right, but with that said, as far as Maza's reaction to YouTube then, he said that YouTube was giving bigots free license, and saying all while YouTube was just using gay creators. Timing was a note here. Uh, this was the beginning of June, which is Pride Month. Right, so while YouTube was kind of celebrating Pride, it was also seen as okaying what was perceived as homophobic content. But it also wasn't just Maza that was angry, because YouTube also ended up suspending Crowder's revenue, right? which was also another decision met with massive criticism and backlash. Right, but then we fast forward to today, and we, we see the changes being made, the kind of explanations connected to it, and it seems to be connected. Which is why it was also interesting to see the reactions of these two. We saw Maza tweeting a thread about it today, saying the real problem is not the policies, but the enforcement of these policies. Especially because he says he finds that popular creators like Crowder are exempt from the rules. Also saying that demonetization as a punishment is not effective because creators can make money elsewhere. And closing by saying YouTube loves to manage PR crises by rolling out vague content policies they don't actually enforce. These policies only work if YouTube is willing to take down its most popular rule breakers. And there's no reason so far to believe that it is. Steven Crowder, for his part, has not said much about the new rules since they came out as of recording this video, but did use the hashtag YouTube is over party. He did post a video yesterday saying that the YouTube purge is coming. And there he talked about what was at stake based on kind of murmurs and what was potentially known about the upcoming rules. And saying that he saw the new policies as something that could silence and negatively impact his channels and others like it. Obviously my heart goes out to if there are any future uh, conservatives or, or future independent voices who are affected because some people got their feelings hurt. But of course, with all of that said, it's important to note that this is not just about these two. This is a massive change to one of the most notable websites on the internet. It is the second most trafficked website on the entire internet. A communication and entertainment hub. Who else is going to get hit? And this morning, it seems that we saw it hit one of the more massive creators on the platform, Ian Carter, AKA, I dubbed. We ended up tweeting out a screenshot of an email from YouTube saying that one of his videos had been removed for violating community guidelines, with the caption, download your favorite bullying vids before YouTube takes them down. And the video in question was from his massively popular content cop series, specifically one about a controversial YouTuber by the name of Leafy. The removal of this video made a number of people furious, also people wondering how does this actually break the rules? Right, with people saying things like iDubs gets his video taken down for bullying because he mocked a bully, isn't that ass backwards? And as far as my opinion, as far as that takedown, uh, maybe it's because the video was not fully fresh in my mind, but I, I hate seeing that video being taken down. It feels like a notable historic moment on YouTube was just wiped from the internet. I'd be interested to know as far as their specific reasoning, if it had to do with, I, I think I remember him making fun of his chin. And I also think uh, another creator on the platform, uh, Eddie Burback, raised an interesting question after this, saying, so let's pretend that YouTube removing the leafy content cop was fair. Is it okay for YouTube to change its guidelines, then remove content that was posted before the change? If you follow YouTube's rules in 2019 and they change them in 2030, should they remove all your content? To which, as of now, it appears that YouTube's thinking around this is, yes, we would remove that content, because regardless of if it was posted 10 years ago, 
ago, they are still hosting and showcasing a video in 2019 or whenever. But it appears that YouTube thinks that their give here is while they're removing this now, they won't penalize channels now with things like strikes because of previous content or for, it's usually like a 30 day grace period. Obviously this is still a developing story and we're seeing more and more creators kind of pressing YouTube on this change. Creators like Nerd City was a fantastic YouTube channel saying, rap music with disses, political satire, South Park, protests that use effigies, all of this now violates the new terms of service. YouTube needs to reverse course on this policy. It targets criticism that YouTube thinks it can lose, but the rules are not compatible with human expression. To which YouTube responded, diss tracks, satire, and comedy are allowed. We explain this in the exception section of the Help Center article. And on that page, it notes scripted satire, stand-up comedy, or music a diss track. Also noting this is not a free pass to harass someone and claim, quote, I was joking. But the obvious criticism there is, are you saying that YouTube is the final judge of what is supposed to be comedy and isn't? Right, it also naturally brings us back to the content comp video being removed. But ultimately, that is where we are with this story right now. We, we have the announcement, kind of the, the first glimpses at what's being hit. Uh, I'm gonna keep my eyes open and honestly, I'm somewhat nervous. Like even for the next story that comes after today and awesome, I had to go back and change the end of that video because I didn't know if I was now breaking YouTube policy. Yeah, I just don't know. Everyone can have, including every company can have like the best of intention. The actual implementation, uh, th that's a whole other thing. But uh, with all of that said, of course, I, I pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this story, the, the changes, the impacts thus far? Let me know in those comments down below. And then let's talk about the situation around Alex Bozargian. Now for a large number of you, you've probably never heard that name before though. Uh, a number in there that are not familiar with her name have seen her. And that's because she was a Georgia reporter who on Saturday was covering the annual Savannah Bridge run. And in this now viral incident, you see several participants waving at the cameras as they ran by during the segment. But then one decides that he is going to smack Alex on her butt before sprinting away. And in the clip, you see Alex visibly shocked by what happened. She tries to get back to her live report. Right, and after that happens live, a Twitter user shares a clip of the incident. It quickly goes viral. Alex herself eventually shares the post with her own statement writing. To the man who smacked my butt on live TV this morning, you violated, objectified, and embarrassed me. No woman should ever have to put up with this at work or anywhere. Do better. And in general, the reaction online were people just disgusted by the behavior of this man. And it also received notable attention from fellow reporters. We also saw race officials quick to condemn the runner's behavior, with the director of the Savannah Sports Council, Robert Wells, telling Alex that the incident was 100% unacceptable and said the organization would identify the man. We saw the organization following through the next day with the organization announcing that it had banned the runner from registering from all its future races. That runner was also later identified by news outlets and social media users as Tommy Calloway. And it turns out he is a 43-year-old married father of two who is both a youth minister and a Boy Scout leader. This reportedly according to his Facebook and LinkedIn profiles. Now, following being identified, Calloway's lawyer, Joseph Turner, released a statement on his behalf on Monday saying that his client is a loving husband and a father who is very active in his community and adding that Calloway was working with those in involved to correct the situation, but also drawing a line saying, while we regret the situation, Mr. Calloway did not act with any criminal intentions. Now that said, on Tuesday, Alex appeared on CBS's This Morning, where she confirmed that she had filed a police report over this incident. And while on the show, she talks about the sting of the slap, saying it had a heavy impact, saying of Calloway in the video, he separates himself from the runners, he kind of winds up and you know he hit me hard. Also saying on the show that Calloway had contacted her news station and said, his intentions were not, you know, to hurt me. He didn't intend to do it, um, which, you know, not gonna really debate that because he hurt me. And since the video went viral, she explained feeling guilty because of all the attention that it received. And while she noted that she has been met with overwhelming support, some have still blamed her for putting herself in quote, the line of fire and for not accepting his apology and just moving on. Also when asked if she was open to hearing more from Callaway, she said, I think um, what is most important here is that he took my power and I'm trying to take that back. Um, mm -hmm. And um, whether I, I'm open to it or not. Um, I want to take my time with that. Um, 
And um, I think what it really comes down to is that he helped himself to a part of my body. Now that same day, we saw Callaway appear on Inside Edition, trying to further explain what happened from his point of view. I was getting ready to, to bring my hands up and wave to, wave to the camera um, and to the audience. And uh, there was a misjudge in character and decision-making. Um, I touched her back. I did not know exactly where I touched her. Callaway adding that he read her response and took her words to heart. I totally agree 100% with her statement. And the two most important words were her last two words, do better. And that's that's my intention. And as far as my reaction to this story, I think just a, a good, solid, general rule. In general, keep your fucking hands to yourself. And to a degree, it feels silly even having to say that. This is something that you have to tell children. It doesn't feel like you should have to tell it to a grown ass person. I think to those that don't think it's a big deal, if, if let's say uh, your wife, your, your girlfriend, your, your mother, your daughter switched places with Alex, would you still feel the same? Because I know if that was someone I cared about, it would be hard for me not to do something that I cannot describe possibly due to YouTube's uh, new uh, policies. Nope, I actually deleted what I was gonna say. Uh, main point, I would be an unhappy uh, Philip DeFranco. But with all of that said, of course, I pass the question off to you. Well, what are your thoughts on this specific situation? Are you of the mindset that you should just take the apology and move on? Or no, you think it's a good thing that this is being broadcasted and kind of continued as a teachable moment? Also, what would you like to see happen with this story? Obviously, there are a number of people talking about uh, charges. They're talking about his job, just uh, things all over the place. Yeah, just let me know what you're thinking in those comments down below. And then I'll, I want to share my favorite headline of the day. And no, it is not from an Onion article. Boris Johnson accused of hiding in fridge in order to avoid interview with Pierce Morgan. Which I will say, the, the image that popped in my head initially, hilarious. But then seeing the reporting and the actual video connected to this event, uh, <laughs> even more hilarious, though for different reasons. All right, so essentially the situation is the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He's visiting a business in Yorkshire called Modern Milkman. And he's approached by a reporter from Good Morning Britain who asks him to speak on live television. And the first thing that cracked me up was the interaction with a Johnson aide. Prime Minister, everybody come on uh, Good Morning Britain, Prime Minister. Oh! oh. I've just had a reaction here from one of the minders. <laughs> which is just so great. The cameras then stick to the situation, which just seems like a weird, odd mess. And then finally, we see this interaction. Well, you have five minutes. You're live on Good Morning. Why did, why did, could you, you talk to Piers and Susanna for me? I'll be, I'll be with you in a second. I'll be with you in a second. Yeah, Thank I have an earpiece here in my hands, ready to go. <laughs> right, he's been taken inside, into the freezer. He's gone into the Excuse fridge. Um, there's a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to reports, sources from Johnson's conservative party stated that Johnson was, quote, categorically not hiding and saying that he entered the fridge to prep for a separate pre-agreed interview. But all in all, it was just kind of this funny moment that caught my eye and uh, treat this as an appetizer because, of course, in the UK, there is big news uh, coming. There's an election taking place there Thursday. We'll see what Parliament looks like afterward. With, of course, Brexit having been continually up in the air there, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, according to one of the latest polls from YouGov's MRP poll, right of 100,000 UK voters, it's predicted a 28-seat majority for Johnson's party. And as Axios pointed out, that would still be a solid victory, but it's significantly down from a projected 68-seat majority late last month. But of course, when it comes to any election, but also specifically with the UK, who knows what's gonna happen in real life compared to the polling. So yeah, for now, we'll have to wait and see. And of course, if you if you live there, you have family there, of course, I'd love to know your thoughts on it. And then this morning, let's talk about Time Magazine naming the 2019 Person of the Year, Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old climate activist from Stockholm, Sweden. And with this, she became the youngest individual to ever receive the honor, which has been one recognized annually by the magazine for over 90 years. And as far as why, according to Time's editor-in-chief, when he was unveiling her, he called her the biggest voice on the biggest issue facing the planet this year, and 
comments saying that she embodies youth activism. And Greta's rise has been interesting, right? As many others have noted, she essentially started as the solo protester planted outside of Sweden's parliament. She launched the Fridays for Future movement, inspiring masses of people worldwide to protest outside their local government buildings weekly, demanding climate action. In September, she stood before the UN Climate Action Summit and delivered a passionate speech to some of the planet's most powerful leaders. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? And also, connected to this, Greta, who's diagnosed with Asperger's, has spoken out about her condition, even likening it to a superpower. The timing of this award is also a little bit interesting. Just yesterday, you had Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, calling her a brat to reporters. And his comment coming after Greta tweeted a video on Sunday drawing attention to indigenous people that are allegedly being murdered for their efforts to protect the Amazon from illegal deforestation. But with that said, as far as the reaction to this honor, uh, of course, you, you got what you expected. You had a number of people praising Greta and Time, as well as a number of critics saying it should have gone to someone else, or just... Uh, attacking Greta herself. But one of the main reactions that I was interested in was gonna be that of Greta. You know, in the past, we've seen her turn down an environmental award saying that the climate movement does not need any more awards. What we need is for our politicians and the people in power to start to listen to the current best available science. And what we ended up seeing this morning is Greta thanking time for the recognition and declaring that she shares the honor with climate activists everywhere. Right, so essentially taking this not normally climate focused award, turning it inside out and making it about the movement itself. But yeah, of course with this, I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. And that is where we're going to end today's show. And hey, if you like this video, take a second to hit that like button. Also, if you're new here, you want more of these daily dives into the news, hit that subscribe button. Definitely tap that bell to turn on notifications. Also, if you're looking for more to watch after today's show, go check out that brand new podcast I did with Anthony Padilla, or maybe just miss yesterday's Philip DeFranco show. I feel like we maybe got hit. Uh, you can click or tap right there to watch either of those. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.